Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, reddish or not, the 2023 NBA free agency is here and the money is flying. Boy, is it flying. Desmond Bain, 205 over 5 or 4. Tyrese Halliburton, 260 over 5. It's crazy money going out right now. Uh, Speaking of reddish, Cam Reddish is finally a Laker after like five years along with Torian Prince, Gabe Vincent, and a returning Rui Hachimura. Dennis Schroeder is out the door. Mo Bamba's out the door. Malik Beasley, still TBD. D'Angelo Russell, still TBD. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. Welcome to day one of the 2023 NBA free agency. And for this quick day one free agency reaction episode, I am joined by the one and only Twitter's favorite cap space guru, Hoops Hypes, Yazi Goslin. Goslin, crazy day. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, Jonathan. Good and tired. No, I'm fine. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, before all of these signings came in, as it pertains to the Lakers, I guess heading into free agency, what did you think the Lakers needed? Did you have any specific targets that you had pegged for them? Or did you think it was just going to kind of be status quo? I, I thought that they the only thing i think they should have done differently is have more of a commitment to spend i they're going into the, they went into this offseason trying to get the team as deep as possible and i think they did a pretty good job but they're also doing it more cost effectively than i want them to because i would have preferred that they still have kept uh I think it would have been better if they kept Malik on the team option and Bamba and the non-guarantee and uh, guaranteed him and had those salaries for trades for now. Uh, but, uh, and then they could have still re-signed, they have the bird rights on everybody, re-signed Russell, Reeves, uh, Beasley, Lonnie, uh, just really maximize the spending. I think that was going to be a more, a, a more, a better path for the Lakers to, to, you know, get past the conference finals and just progress from last year. But just based on what they're doing, and it seems, you know, they're hard capped. They can't exceed 172 million. And I would guess that they want to stay under the tax as well, because that's only 165 million. So just given that how they're constructing the roster, I think it's a pretty good roster. I think they've done a, I think I actually like what they did. I think they did a pretty good job with their resources. I would, when the Wolves cut Torian Prince, 
I thought that was a little, uh, I thought that was a little wrong. I think that was a pretty good value of 7 million. And now yeah. the Lakers got him at 4.5. So I like that. Uh, Gabe Vincent, um, I think the Heat were right to let him go. But at the, you know, I, I guess 11 mil a year, you know, I don't know if I don't, I can't necessarily see Gabe Vincent repeating what he did with the Heat. I feel like mm-hmm. that was, you fit in very well with them. So I wouldn't expect him to produce. Like, if the Lakers are expecting that, I just wouldn't expect that. He's, too, you know, if he, but if he's, okay, you know, as long as he's decent, it should be fine. And, uh, who else did they get? Uh, Rui at 17 mil a year. Yeah. Do you know if that's starting off at 17 mil a year or is it uh, starting off? Is it incremental raises like the 5% raises per year? So could it, it essentially, could his first year be like 16 million? I would guess that the Lakers are going to make it as low as possible. So yeah, yeah it could be, a, it could be out. Uh, but yeah, let's, I guess we could start with that because uh, personally, I know Rui had a pretty good playoffs, but I also I'm not the biggest fan of him, and I did not. I think this is a lot more than I expected him to get. I really cannot. I'd like to know what teams were going to offer him that because 17 million you need a you need cap space to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mid levels starting at 12.4, so I was expecting him to get that, and he got like well above that. Yeah, for, but even even for a three year deal, I think it's a little too rich. Yeah, I think everybody had him pegged at like fifteen million dollars. So obviously, I think he got a little above that on the average, like averaging that three year contract out for fifty one million dollars. I'm personally okay with it, especially after the. I mean, you can call it recency bias, but especially after the playoffs that he had, I think he had a, a lot of momentum going for him. And I think what I like the most, and again, I'm not trying to ship Rui out but with regards to what you said initially with um you know maybe keeping Malik Beasley's team option on I feel like the Lakers still kind of did that but with players that teams may want now they're not expiring contracts per se but Rui's still only like what 24 years old so he's on like a 15 16 million dollar per year contract Gabe Vincent's 27. He's on like an 11 million dollar per year contract so if the Lakers have to move off of these guys I I feel like they could do so pretty easily, wouldn't you say? Versus like, yeah, I guess if they wanted to take on longer term salary and give up an expiring Malik Beasley, they could. But the Lakers just have never been the type of team to take on longer term salary from another team. So in that respect, if they were to facilitate some sort of deal at the trade deadline, I feel like they have better pieces to do it with and they have the salary slots to do it with. Now, pending what happens with D'Angelo Russell, but you know, Rui Hachimura at 15 to 16 plus Gabe Vincent, that's already like a $28 million player. You know, you just attach some additional draft capital. And if if something presents itself at the trade deadline, I feel like the Lakers would be able to more easily facilitate a deal outside of just saying, okay, we got expirings and the player, you may or may not even use him, you know, but I feel like teams would still use Gabe and Rui. What do you think? I don't know about that because they've got pretty big deals. They're getting a lot more, a lot more than they did, and if they don't meet the value of those, those are pretty bad contracts, and they're less movable than Malik and uh, Obama would have been on their expiring. So, look, if they're playing well, the Lakers won't want to trade them. They'll just want to keep yeah. them, and they might not make any trade. Um, if the Lakers do want to trade them, it's probably for a bad, a bad reason. <laughs> 
So, so yeah, that's the thing. I don't. I think there's more downside for a potential trade now because if these guys own, and there's a good chance they're not going to produce as good as they did last year. Uh, yeah, they're not good trade assets. So we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, you know. I do feel like the Lakers are pretty reactionary as far as their decisions. Uh, like they'll in the, in the, as far as like what they do in the off season, just based on they'll, they'll lean pretty hard on how a player did the previous season, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, obviously that's what you're paying for, you know, based on what the player did last. But I also feel like they don't factor in prog- potential regression uh, back sure. to the mean. So we'll see, but oh no, but yeah, those are basically the signings. Uh, it seems like that's it. And then Cam Reddish. Yeah. So I think for me, the one that the first deal that came through the Torian Prince deal for 4.5 million for the BAE one year, I think, would you agree that in terms of like a cost effective signing, that's probably their best signing of the day? Hands up. Because for me, you know, after off season, after off season, hoping and wishing that the Lakers would sign anybody over six, five and to finally get one on the first, like first 30 minutes of free agency to me was a godsend. And the fact that it was Torian Prince, you know, I'm, I don't have any crazy delusions of grandeur with regards to this Lakers team. I knew at this point that we were going to need some veteran help for LeBron James. He's got what one year, two years max with Anthony Davis. He was going to want somebody who could provide him with some help now. And Torian Prince over the last two years has been a tried and true, what, 15 to 20 minute player off the bench who still shoots efficiently from three, 38% this past year. Uh, I think he actually shot, like had a more consistent year than the past season. I mean, Torian Prince, Torian Prince this year had a 35 point game, eight of eight from three, 12 for 13. That's obviously his best game, but he had a more consistent year throughout than I think even the 2021, 22 season. So for me, I just really like the defensive versatility he brings to the Lakers and the shooting consistency. The fact that he has some continuity with D'Angelo Russell from the Timberwolves days. If D'Angelo Russell returns six, seven, six, eight, I much preferred him to a guy like, um, I don't know, Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder doesn't have a team yet, but what did you have Jay Crowder's value pegged at? Like what, eight to nine million? No. Uh, Jay Crowder's probably, I would say, in the whatever Torian guy. I think there are pretty similar players. That's a really okay. good comparison. I wouldn't be surprised if Crowder gets more from the Bucks. If they end up keeping Lopez, they just need to uh, bring back whatever guys they can. And He's one of their only guys with bird rights, so maybe they bring him back at something above the minimum. Yeah. Um, but I, generally speaking, I like Torian. I've always liked Torian. I think he's a good player. Um, I think he, you know, with his con- the contract he had in Brooklyn and Cleveland, it was a bit much. And then this deal he had with Minnesota, I think he hit the sweet spot. He's like pretty properly paid. And I still don't quite understand why the Wolves cut him. Um, yeah. For Troy I mean, Brown, they ended up, yeah, they ended up splitting basically their mid level between Troy Brown and Shake Milton, and then they re signed Nikhil Alexander Walker. Um, I, I guess I kind of get it because they needed a backup point guard badly, so they got Shake Milton, and you know, they got Troy Brown for around this, but they got Troy Brown for around the same as Torian, so. But I think ultimately the Lakers, you know, Torian Prince are pretty damn good for the Wolves in the uh, playing game. 
when the Wolves almost beat the Lakers, like that uh, no go bear and Torian was that's true. Played a lot. I, I think they looked at that game. Like, hey, you know what? Uh, we should check this guy out. That's funny. No, yeah, I love Torian just because he he knows his role at this point, right? He'll play it to perfection. We need that tough-minded wing who can also hit from the outside, rebound, uh, has length, as opposed to Jay Crowder, who's already 32 years old. Torian Prince is obviously younger, 29 years old. I believe he played under Darvin Ham with the Atlanta Hawks his rookie year, so there's that continuity there. So really love the Torian Prince signing. Um, next came the... Uh, Gabe Vincent signing for $11 million. As you mentioned, you know, I don't think he was coming back to that, that price point to the Miami Heat. I think the Miami Heat offered him $8 million over four years, like $8 million over 32. Uh, it's obvious now that the Lakers paid a premium to pry him away from the Heat. I personally saw him pegged at 7 to $8 million. I don't know about you. So I was a little surprised by the number. Um, obviously things are, my perception of this deal is going to change if D'Angelo Russell is not back because I don't think Gabe Vincent is a true point guard. And yeah, I was surprised by the number, but like you said, the Lakers are pretty reactionary. And this is the second time that they've gone after a Miami heat guard who's played in the finals. The first time was Kendrick Nunn when they saw Kendrick Nunn in the finals and he didn't play that well, but you know, they were like, here's a young upside guy and a clutch client who we're seeing in the finals do something. So we'll give him the $5 million MLE, you know? And then this year, Gabe Vincent obviously had a much more uh, consistent and substantial run than Kendrick Nunn did in his uh, Miami Heat run in 2020. But I mean, Gabe Vincent also fizzled out at the end of that Denver Nuggets series. I mean, a lot of guards do against the Denver Nuggets, so it's understandable. I was surprised by the number, and I was surprised that we're giving that much money to a 6-2 guard. Now, Gabe Vincent does play defense. He is pretty tough. If you've seen that clip of him guarding Jason Tatum with one shoe on and he uses the other shoe to poke the ball free that's kind of Gabe Vincent he's kind of uh grimy and uh pesky I like that I like that he's a three-point shooter he I think Lakers fans are going to be surprised by the fact that he's a three-point chucker more than he is an efficient three-point shooter I like that he shoots volume three-point shots and that he's a movement shooter unlike Dennis Schroeder but I think pending the results of what happens with D'Angelo Russell um I think it's a solid signing. I'm not super excited, again, that we gave $11 million to a 6'2 guard, but he's only 27, and he did play a pretty substantial role with the Miami Heat in the finals. And my one argument that I'll give to Gabe Vincent to counteract your point, um, Yazi, with regards to he's probably going to regress is the fact that I felt Gabe, I felt like Gabe Vincent was already playing a pretty outsized role this year you know because Kyle Lowry was no longer himself and he was playing the starting point guard role on the Miami Heat and I don't think that's the role he should be playing and I don't think that's the role he's gonna be playing on a LeBron James Anthony Davis team with Austin Reeves as well so I think on this Lakers team especially if D'Angelo Russell is back Gabe Vincent will be more properly slotted in that six-man role where he can come off the bench uh, sh- you know, just chuck up a bunch of threes, maybe get hot from three-point land and muck it up on the defensive end and play making a pinch. So what are your thoughts on if Gabe Vincent has a role that's more requisite to, you know, who he really is, which is more of like a six-man backup point guard type? Yeah, I think that's 
that definitely is a better role for him. Might not make the the contract better, but I think uh, if, as long as that's his role, though, then I, I I do prefer him having that than playing this outside starting role like he had to with the Heat. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's take it to break. When we return, I just have a few questions with regards to what the Lakers do next, what their cap books look like, and uh, yeah, we can close it out from there. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, quick call to action for yours truly, the Lakers Legacy Podcast. If you guys have enjoyed our off-season content this season, especially our NBA draft content, and you guys have gotten all the little nuggets and hot takes that you needed, if you love all of our Moneyball margin options on the free agency market and stuff like that that we've thrown out in the past, if you just enjoy consuming our content, please, please, please take a moment to rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Also, please take a moment to give us a five-star thumb tap on the Spotify app. Just search for the Lakers Legacy Podcast on the Spotify app and click that five-star dial at the top of our page. It's that easy to do. Everybody has the Spotify app. We would greatly appreciate it. It will do a lot in determining the future of this show moving forward, especially as we head into the 2023-24 season. But for those who have supported us and continually listened, shared, subscribed, given us reviews, given us five stars, for those who have given us money via Patreon, we truly appreciate you. If you haven't done any of these things yet, please consider doing so. It would mean a lot. And again, at this point, it's the only thing that drives this show. With that said, 
Thank you for consuming our content and please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so we are back. Uh, Yazzie, the Lakers finally signed Cam Reddish. I'm sure you saw that coming. Did you have that pegged in your uh, Magic 8 ball for the Lakers? Cam Reddish on the minimum? I mean, they needed minimums, uh, but that's uh, I think that's pretty good to get Cam Reddish uh, on the minimum. Like, uh, hasn't really done anything yet, but let's see. Maybe Lakers have gotten pretty lucky getting some of these minimum guys over the past years. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe he'll... Uh, he'll He'll make the Lakers regret not giving him more. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought he could potentially make the biannual exception, kind of like that Lonnie Walker clutch deal, where I was like, "Why are we giving Lonnie Walker six point four million?" Which actually, when we we did our pre free agency episode last year, I don't I don't know if you remember, but when we were tossing out ideas of who the Lakers may go for, given their history, I think we both circled Jalen Smith as like a young upside play. But then you said. You know, maybe Lonnie Walker too. So good call on your part uh, with regards to us signing Lonnie Walker last year. But yeah, I actually thought Cam Reddish may have gotten, you know, $4 million or so. But the Lakers being able to get him at the vet min, I feel like it's a, you know, no risk flyer upside. And I, I like the fact that he's under Torian Prince. So if anything, he can gain some knowledge and know-how from Torian Prince who kind of knows his role. And maybe Cam Reddish will fit better in a, you know, this is how to be a strictly 3 and D player, and I'm learning from one of the best in with regards to Torian Prince. So I like that dynamic, and I also like the fact that he has Phil Handy there with him because Phil Handy has done wonders for Rui Hachimura's confidence and getting him to play this tertiary role next to these stars. Hopefully he can do the same for Cam Reddish. Again, it's only a veteran minimum deal. As younger guys who have taken this bet-on-myself deal before with the Lakers, including... Malik Monk, Lonnie Walker. Um, I think Cam Reddish could follow the same sort of footsteps. It obviously didn't work out for Kendrick Nunn. But yeah, I'm excited to see what Cam Reddish can do just because he's another 6'8 wing. And the fact that the Lakers have gotten two of those types of players on the open market, that's what I've been most ecstatic about in this free agency circuit as opposed to last season's. Um, Now, with regards to where the Lakers currently stand... They're obviously waiting to see if Austin Reeves gets an offer sheet, but regardless of what he gets, his first year is going to be $12 million, right? If the Lakers match. So you kind of have that pegged. Is there a possibility, because there have been reports out right now, uh, tonight, that the Lakers are still sort of talking to Malik Beasley and his camp to maybe retain him while also still prioritizing D'Angelo Russell? What figure would D'Angelo Russell have to come in at for the Lakers to renegotiate Malik Beasley's contract to more than the minimum? So let's say they renegotiate because they still have Malik Beasley's bird rights, correct? So if they want to renegotiate Malik Beasley's contract to at least give him the biannual exception, let's say, hey, Malik Beasley, let's have you back for $4.5 million. What would D'Angelo Russell have to settle for in order for that to happen? By my rough estimations, I think D'Angelo would have to come in at like 18 million. But is that sort of like what you have? So I guess the main thing is the Lakers. It's not so much uh, how much they need to uh, give. Uh, I think the main question is, like, I guess we know Reeves, if he gets an offer, he's a big one. He's going to be capped at 12.4. Uh, we already know what uh, most of the team is going to make. And if they're going to bring back Russell and Beasley, then they only need to add one more minimum guy. 
Uh, I guess the question is for the Lakers, are they trying to duck the – are they just trying to do all this below, beneath the apron or are they trying to duck the tax too? Uh, with Russell, I mean, it, I think it all just depends on what he's getting. And honestly, it, I don't think the market's really going to be kind to him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers just re-sign him to – uh, a first-year salary of just above the mid-level, like 14, 15 mil. Mm. And so if that happens, then uh, I, I think, you know, Malik Beasley versus Lonnie Walker, I think at this point you want to bring back Malik Beasley because uh, you could really use the shooting off the bench, just the score off the bench. Uh, and then they've got bird rights on him, so they could bring him back to to really like any amount. Like they could give him like, you know, 8 to 10 mil even. They'll still be able be below the hard cap if they want to stay under the tackle okay they've got to give them a little less but it's a very gettable blueprint right now for the lakers to bring back russell reeves and beasley like it's there's really i i would say that's probably the most likely outcome in my opinion so you could see something like you know d'angelo russell's back for i'll give him a little bit more money let's say he's back for like 16 million and then the lakers would bring back malik beasley at like at eight, they'd be below the first apron, right, of 172 and still be fine. I think they'd be paying a little bit of luxury tax, but they'd still be below the 172 that they need to be because they are hard capped at that first apron, correct? Yeah, the way you just put it, yeah, they'd, they'd be like four mil over the tax and and three mil below the apron. So, uh, yeah, like this is, uh, it's it's there, it's in, it's in the, re- it's, it's in the reaching, I got Okay. Now, would you would you go that route? Because you said initially you would have picked up Malik Beasley's team option. So if given the opportunity to bring D'Angelo Russell back at the number that you want, would you put Malik Beasley on a one-year $10 million contract just to have that asset? Is that tradable, by the way, If even though it's just one year? Yeah. Uh you know, the, the he'd have to you get the veto rights thing, obviously, because he'd be resigning a one year deal. But I think that's a, a 10 million. Like, I, I, I don't it might not be a problem for him. You know, he uh, just needs to OK the deal, essentially. Yeah. It's or like a, and he'd also agree to waive it because now that's a new thing in the CBA. But then he loses a bird rights of trade. Right. Now, with regards to Mo Bamba, if the Lakers, because, you know, the Lakers are prioritizing also with their last one or two vet minimum spots, they're prioritizing a backup big man, which is the one thing that we're missing this free agency period. Mo Bamba, because they waived him, no bird rights, right? He would have to sign on the minimum, correct? Correct. Okay. So before we get to like what big men are out there for the Lakers, my one question that I forgot to ask you about Gabe Vincent is, is there a reason why he only signed for 11 million a year below the full tax MLE? Is that just because the Lakers want to give themselves a little bit more flexibility, whether it's below the luxury tax or below the, the hard apron? Probably. Yeah. They just negotiated. They got to just try to get as little, uh, as much savings as they could. Okay. Yeah. It's funny that, you know, I was joking with my co-host Tommy. I was like, Rob Palinka knows there's that new second round exception, right? Where you can sign guys for more than two years, because it would be funny if this is the one year that he actually saved a million dollars in the MLE to be able to do that when he didn't need to do so. So yeah, it sounds like they just didn't give Gabe Vincent the full MLE because they're just trying to maintain as much flexibility under the apron as, as possible. Right. Yeah. Um. Now with regards to 
bargain bin centers that the Lakers could look at. I mean, at this point, what's the market for a guy like Mason Plumley or Christian Wood? Like, I think teams still have cap space. Teams still have non-taxpayer MLEs, but are they getting so pinched out to the point where they're just like, well, is there an opportunity where I can get 20 minutes and do I have to settle for a vet minimum? Outside of Plumley and Wood, are there any other backup centers that the Lakers could go for that you think would be a good fit? I don't think they could get either of those guys. Uh, that's they can definitely get more than that. Um, obviously, Bamba. I think they could get him back. Um, what about Jackson Hayes? I think that's gettable for the minimum. Uh, I, there's uh, Dwight Powell, though. It sounds like he's going to go back to um, Dallas. I don't know if Thomas Bryan wants to come back. Um, <laughs> Robin Lopez. Um, what about Willie Hernan Gomez? Uh, someone was saying he might go back to Europe. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Okay. I know people are hot on Jock Londale's heels ever Ooh, since the yeah. Suns released their or relinquished their qualifying offer. Do you think he's probably a vet minimum guy though, right? Well, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have done that had had they known if they thought they could get him back for the minimum, he's probably getting oh. offers for above it. Interesting. Okay. Huh. Well, okay. What about Dario Saric? Is he a vet minimum guy? I don't think so, but then he's being linked to the Warriors. Uh, so I guess he is. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, those are pretty much my my biggest questions. I think the Lakers are, you know, I don't know if they're in a holding pattern with regards to what D'Angelo Russell does. Like you said, at this point, what's the most realistic outcome for D'Lo and the Lakers? I don't... Could he go to another team for the non-taxpayer Emily just because he gets a more solidified role? Or do you just see them, you know, coming to terms because they kind of need each other at this point? I think the the latter. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, well, thanks so much, Yazi. Get some sleep. Keep doing the good work and crunching these numbers for whatever happens. I don't think anything's happened between the time we've started this, right? No. Okay, yeah. So I think everybody's taking the night off and they're getting ready for 4th of July weekend, even though 4th of July is on a Tuesday, which is super random this year. Um, But it seems like a lot more mellow sort of free agency this year, don't you think? It, It doesn't seem as crazy. Yeah, I like it that way. Yeah, the fireworks haven't happened yet. Although, if you see, if you saw Desmond Bain and Tyrese Halliburton's numbers, you'd be like, "Oh my God, this is what the type of money these dudes are making." Um, my last question to you is a more general NBA question: Is there anything that's shocked you so far? Uh, some of these contracts we've got. Uh... <laughs> What's the worst one in your opinion? So I mean, far? Bruce Brown, even for one year, that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, Desmond Bain max contract. Like, I love Desmond Bain. I don't, I don't like Desmond Bain that much. Um, How do you like that Jeremy Grant contract? Awful, what was that about, awful. my friend? Is it five it was, years? Yeah. Is it, uh, a, is it a team option that fifth year or is it a player option? Probably not. I don't think oh, so. my God. That's, I don't know what the Portland Trailblazers are doing, but they are um, nailing themselves to the cross with that team in the middle. Um, anyways, Yazi, thanks so much for joining us. 
yeah, we will catch you on the internet. We'll catch you on Twitter. And thanks so much for doing the Lord's work with all of these numbers and updating all of these teams. Without it, without you, we would be lost proposing the dumbest shit on Twitter. So thank you. And we will catch you again sometime when all the dust settles. So Yazi, I'll catch you later, man. Thanks, Jonathan. See ya. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.